Hello and welcome to the Consistently Inconsistent podcast where we talk all things ADHD along with mental health as a whole. I'm your host Cody Lukens and today we are joined by fellow ADHD content creator Brave Dave and before we get into things too much I got zero sleep last night so forgive me if I'm a little more <laughs> scatterbrained than usual today and I just realized that my brother is asleep in the other room so I have to talk rather quiet. A little dysfunctional episode but should be fun, fits the theme. Uh, Dave, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great. I just got over a cold and it's ice storms everywhere. My electricity keeps shutting off. So I'm happy to match the vibe with you today. Perfect. There are also ice storms here. I think we might lose a few trees, which is unfortunate, but uh, luckily we have enough food to get through the next few days. (laughs) Have you ever heard of uh, Bradford pears? Uh, No, I've heard of Bartlett pears. Okay. So Bradford pears are a, um, a, an invasive species of tree uh, that, grow horribly they grow and they just look like a normal tree uh but they're so structurally unsound that they just Mm. snap if you look at them wrong um and they're really cheap to plant and you kept saying trees are going to fall down every single house and there's like probably 500 houses in this neighborhood if not more um have a bradford pear in front of them and every ice storm like half of them fall over wow um and their big defining characteristic is that every spring, they're beautiful. They have all these white flowers on them, and they smell like dead, rotting shrimp. Oh, my gosh. We, I, I told, Now that you say that, I totally know what you're talking about. We have a ton of those in Spokane. They are terrible. Yeah. They're actually illegal in a lot of states. And huh. when they weren't, they were so cheap and pretty that they were like, hey, how about for this neighborhood, we just – plant like a thousand of them so now every winter we have like our entire neighborhood is like this big hazard zone because all these Bradford pears fall over and then in the spring you walk outside and you're like this is death I don't want to be here anymore it's horrible yeah that's that's real silly you'd think that they would just remove them all in the spring or or fall or something but I guess not you think so I think they're letting uh, mother nature do that we just get to Haul trees around like we're lumberjacks or something. Sounds good. I guess it keeps you in shape in the winter months. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I don't even remember what we were going to talk about at this point. Um, looks like I have here uh, content creator mental health. Very yeah, fun. Very big deal um, to me. Yeah. I'll be a little light with the, the intros and segues today. It'll be a little heavy handed. As I said, zero sleep. Apologies. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. Perfect. Um, yeah, is there anything that you want to, to start with with creator mental health? Um, so I, in general, I kind of realized like as I grew as a creator, there were things that I noticed about myself that I didn't like. Uh, behaviors that I had and habits I was getting into um, that were almost uh, that were almost like cliche like burying yourself in your work, obsessing over what your numbers were, all the things that we hear about, like, don't worry about the numbers, just have fun. Well, that's really hard to do. You know, it's, it, I don't want to sound like pompous, but that's easy to do when you like, you know, are first starting off. But when you have a video or 10 videos and now you have 150,000 subscribers, it becomes much more difficult to not care about the numbers because Mm -hmm. you've seen failure and you've seen massive success. You know what the difference is. And now you feel like it's your obligation to determine what went wrong. Um, at first, you want to you want to know what went right, um, but your failures are far more uh, you know in, in numbers than your successes are. Um, and you have all these people online that say, 
that just like people that tell you they know how they can improve your skin for you, we can improve your numbers for you too. You know, that we have the oil that you need in order to make this happen. And we have the strategy that you need. Yeah. So you are constantly looking around for ways to validate yourself as a creator. And because uh, content creation is, um, is entertainment boiled down. It's more raw, true to self entertainment than say being a movie star is. Um, We feel like it's a much more personal attack on ourselves than say, you know, if Tom Cruise has a movie that flops, you know, you could say, well, it was the writers, it was the director, it was whatever. If I have something that flops, it's because me as a person made a piece of content and it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. That's all my fault. Um, that is a very dangerous trap for a lot of people, people with addiction issues, people with self-image issues, people with inadequacy issues, um, most of which we all have it in some degree. Um I am a recovering addict, recovered, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I immediately saw all the same telltale signs uh, from addiction that I did, you know, with substances that I did in content creation. I said, this is not good. Um, You can't OD on, on content. You can't, you know, you can't have a really bad run in uh, with a, with a, a, a TikTok dealer. You know what I mean? So it's hard to notice those signs more uh, until it's just too late and you find yourself just encompassed in this um, not healthy lifestyle. So that was my goal was to help other creators realize um, what a bad environment for content creation was and how to have a healthy one. Um, It's obviously not great for content. It's kind of a gloomy subject. So it's more something I do on the sidelines. Um, but it is very important to me. Yeah, it sounds like it. That I, I love your equating of uh, chasing those numbers with addiction, because I, I've noticed a bit of that as well. Specifically, if I have a video do exceptionally well, get you know one two million views, uh, and then the next one gets maybe twenty thousand, that's still a lot of people viewing your video, and that's still a solid video. But uh, right. the differential between those two is staggering, and it almost feels like, oh, it, like you mentioned, a personal attack on me. Uh, people did not like this video. They don't like me. I'm a failure. I should have done better. Why can't I consistently hit those numbers? And it really it can erode your self-worth uh, very quickly, and it's a scary concept. It is. And there was, a, there was a documentary I watched that kind of talked about this. They talked about social media on the whole. Uh, but when they were talking about creators and people that make content, whether they were professional creators or not, they said, when we make content for other people that watch it, we don't call them watchers. We don't call them Internet surfers. We call them users. Mm-hmm. The only other people we call users are drug users. And that, I think that's a bit anecdotal because I think that there's a reason the term user was chosen anyway. But I did find it interesting. Um, you know, it, you know, you have a, a video do really well, you know, let's say it gets a hundred thousand likes. Um, it, the minute that you have a video get 200,000, a hundred thousand is no longer acceptable. Right. Why? It creates that. New I mean, I still like it four. at this point because, you know, it, my stuff starts to decline a little bit. I'm like, hell, I'll take a hundred thousand. You know, that's fantastic. But, um, the higher you go, uh, the less acceptable everything below it is. And I mean, if that isn't, a, a perfect analogy for the way that drug use works or any, any substance abuse, you know, at all, the more you consume, the more accustomed and, you know, tolerant you are to that level of whatever, 
consuming less is not as enjoyable. Um, and that's a problem because you will never have consistently. I'm still trying to chase after another video that gets 1 million likes. Mm-hmm. That is not normal. It's quite that high. is not a normal goal. You know what I mean? That's a very good video. That's you, Once you do that, you're in an echelon amongst other people. To expect that is uh, not good behavior for people, you know? Yeah, I don't think that anyone can consistently hit a million likes for video except for the top maybe 10, 15 people on TikTok, like Charlie D'Amelio or whatever. Right. Um, if, I, if I can get a couple thousand likes per video, I'll consider that a success. And something that I've been trying to remind myself of is that especially with TikTok, less so with Instagram, seeming like less so with YouTube, I'm just getting started with that. But with TikTok, it sometimes doesn't really matter what the quality of your video is. Sometimes it'll just bomb. You can have an exceptional video that does exceptionally well on other platforms and people are saying they really like it, they really resonate with it. You can tell it's a high quality video, but the algorithm, you know, in quotes, decides, oh no, we're not, we're not going to show this to anybody. Actually, it's going to die at 3000 views. And, and then if you repost it a couple weeks later, it'll do much better. And something like that is, it, it also makes it so confusing because you, you can't initially tell do people like this video or is the algorithm just showing this to more people? Should I make this my model for other videos going forward? Or it, it makes it difficult to measure where you're at. Yep. <clears throat> Nothing you do is ever replicatable in the same way anyway. Mm-mm. You know, they, they always say, well, I'll try posting at the same time so you can figure out what times work best. At the end of the day, if I make a video, I just have a video outright and I post it at 3 p.m. on a Monday <clears throat> with a certain amount of hashtags and a certain amount of people see it. If I post it again the following Monday at 3 p.m. with the same hashtags, <clears throat> it is still not the same. It is still not the same user experience. It's still not the same engagement. You'll never have the same post again. That exact experience of how that went down is not replicatable any longer. So if you have a video that doesn't do well and you're trying to, was it, was it the hashtags? Was it, um, was it what I said in the beginning? What was it? it? Yeah. Big stuff is easy to fix, but at the end of the day, you could post the same video 30 times in a row and it doesn't do well. I see this all the time, especially with like cosplayers or people that do like lightsaber stuff um, that have the same, basically the same content over and over. That's just really appealing. Um, they will post the same video 10 times and it'll just bomb. And then they post it an 11th time and then they get a million likes. Are you going to tell me it was because they used the right hashtags that time? Probably not. Luck of the draw. I don't think that was the case. You know, that you could have a video not do well with your first 10 viewers and your first eight viewers were just like not really. They were just kind of like doom scrolling and just kind of scroll past you just because they wanted to. You know, sometimes I'll scroll past videos because I feel like I don't want to watch too many videos in a row. And I'm like, I just want to like skip ahead, like in a playlist. You know what I mean? There's so many variables that don't pertain to you specifically that people don't take into account, but they still carry the burden of. Um, there was a guy, I use him as an example all the time. If he ever follows me around on podcasts, I'll probably be like, man, he talks about me everywhere. But <laughs> there was a guy that does uh, neon puppetry. He has a black background. He's in a black suit. He has neon puppets. And he had an account for like three years. And it did well. It got like 100,000 followers. <clears throat> but he was stuck. 
no matter what he did, he couldn't get any further. And he said, well, for shits and giggles, I'll just do it all over again. He said, I'll just start a new account. So he started a new account and within five videos had a million followers. Same content, nothing changed. You know what I mean? This is why I try and explain to people, there's only so much logic you can put into it. And when your logic doesn't work, you think, well, if I'm doing the things people are telling me to do and they're not working, it must be me. Um, Critique yourself well, know what's good and what's not. But at the end of the day, there's so much out of your control um, that people try to put on themselves and it's unexplainable. That's the hard part is when you try to explain away the inconsistencies and the detractors of why you're not, why you're not liked. Again, we have like buttons. It's not approval buttons. It's not, this is good content buttons. It's whether or not I like you. I don't like you. I'm not liking your video. Why don't people like me? There's a million reasons why they didn't like your video and you are in control of about three of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, people don't realize that, and they carry the burden of a million reasons around. So, what are some of those things that you can control? Some of the immediate ones that jump to mind that I try to remind myself of is maintain good lighting quality, good audio quality, and a, a somewhat cohesive—not necessarily script for a video, but keep the videos understandable and relatively consistent to the page. Um, is there anything else that? It sort of immediately jumps out to you of things that you tried to do and remind yourself of that the, these are the things that I can control and everything else is outside of my control. Yeah. Um, I think, I think times that you post are important. Uh, not, you know, that's like, Oh, I posted at three fifteen. It should have been three twenty three. but don't post at three in the morning, you know, post at a decent time that people are around. And if you, you know, Again, there are things you can control. If you post at noon every day and your content just keeps bombing at noon, then don't post at noon anymore. It's something that you can try differently. Uh, But as far as you, you know, you and your camera, uh, lighting is very important. Um, And I, so I have some theories that I also maybe don't have completely backed up and I will express that I think they're just theories. Um, Poor lighting. TikTok has been, has been outed as uh, reducing engagement of videos of uh, overweight people, of people that it deems to be poor or in a uh, non-desirable environment. So people that have like extremely messy houses that are very dimly lit, it's been shown and they've been accused of it. And it's been shown that they decrease engagement on undesirable people, uh, which is people uh, that are extremely overweight, people that are extremely what people would consider to be unattractive people that are in extremely unkept homes. You know what I mean? Um, which is absurd. I'm not saying that that should happen, but they've been, they've been accused of that before. Uh, so in my mind, a very dimly lit environment kind of encourages the algorithm to take that into account. And I think people do too. I think when people see a video that's recorded in the dark, they're like, I don't want to view this because I wouldn't want to be here if I could. Mm. Um, and your your phone's uh, camera, your phone's camera aperture um, has a frame rate that it can capture. In lower lighting, uh, there's only so many frames per second that it can capture in low lighting. The more light that you have, the more frames per second it can attain. So that's why if you ever shoot a video at night, it kind of looks like Blair Witch. Whereas if you shoot it in the day, you're like, man, this could like this could beat out the camera that I have in my closet that I paid mm-hmm. like a grand for. Um, most people don't realize if you have a phone that was made in the past two years, 
your camera is comparable to most DSLR cameras it's in terms solid. of the quality. only real thing it can't mimic is depth of field. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I mean, they're trying to make little attachments and things to help out, you know, to, you know, match that it'll right. never be matchable, but in terms of raw quality, it's almost comparable. Um, it's so solid. lighting is the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Um, and, uh, just speaking from my experience as someone who also uses the app, not just to create content, but you know, I scroll on TikTok occasionally. Um, if, if I see a video with poor lighting, I, whether or not this is a good mindset to have, I don't know. I usually equate that with, oh, they, they don't know what they're doing. This video probably won't be worth my time. If someone's not putting in the effort to somewhat dress the background or set up good lighting, that might just be the sort of video production side of me. I did video production for, I think, seven or eight years before I started doing content creation. So I equate uh, poor lighting with amateur work and I'd skip by it. Right. Yeah. And I, I'll make a video sometimes and, you know, uh, my content does really well in the evenings and I'll sometimes realize I don't have content and I'll be like, oh, I need to go shoot a video real quick. And I shoot it and my like my night lighting is not great. Mm -hmm. That's why I utilize daylight for all my content. And I'm like, man, this one isn't going to do well. I, I know why it isn't going to do well, because I just I see myself and I'm like this looks like something I wouldn't watch because of the lighting. And it's right. amazing how big of a difference that makes. And it's true. You try not to think that way. But if somebody, especially if somebody like uh, stitches me, I get a lot of stitches of people that want to correct me on stuff. <laughs> and if I open up a stitch and the stitch is immediately like, you know, like this. And I'm like, oh, great. This is, you know what I mean? I, I can already tell the kind of uh, tone that's going to come out from this video. And I'm usually correct. Mm. Um, and I usually disagree with them. <laughs> uh, I, I stopped watching my a stitches a long, in tagged videos a long time ago. Uh, it was specifically in one video I made talking about how ADHD is a disability. Um, people got really heated in the comments about that. I got so many stitches, so many duets. Uh, and at first, they were kind of positive. That was my first video that I suppose was controversial. So up until then, I'd watched all my stitches and duets and... You know, liked and commented on the videos of people just happy to have that kind of engagement support. And then on that one, I started getting a ton of hate, uh, just people being incredibly aggressive and rude and mean spirited. And so I don't think I've watched a single stitch or duet since then, unless it was from somebody in the count that I already know. Yeah. And it's typically on stuff where you make a very, uh, very black and white statement like yeah, that. Take, you know? take a bit of a stance. I've uh, I've done anti spanking videos before. Those got a lot of stitches. Um, <laughs> and you know what I realized? I was I was like I don't think I want this heat anyway. You know, I there are some things that I'll tell. <clears throat> it's called a there's a word for it. I think it's straw man, where you're basically arguing with someone right. that doesn't exist. Um, and I don't feel like the arguments that I have are with people that don't exist. But I do feel like they may not be present in the moment where I'm like. I don't spank my kids. And everyone's like, okay, <laughs> you know, and I'm and? like, why am I being provocative on purpose? You know what I mean? I, yeah. And I, I've tried to, I, when I started doing content like that, I tried to change away from that instead to be like, um, some people out there do this. I choose to do this. I wish I could tell people why I did this. So now that you have that information, maybe you do with it what you want or you ignore it like you always have, whatever. I'm trying to 
I'm trying to start less shit. You know what I mean? That's my yeah. New Year's resolution is to pick less fights because that's how I started off on the app was not, you know, I I didn't want to do that at all. I just wanted to be strictly comedy. And then I started to get into um, advocacy and advocacy, I think, kind of turned into, you know, little inflammatory things from time to time that just weren't necessary. Um, so I'm trying to backtrack a little bit and not be so combative. Um because you can advocate for people and, and groups of people and your own ideals uh, without coming across so accusatory. And I think I, I've been accused of that several times recently. And I think I've noticed that about myself. So I'm trying to take a step mm. back there. It, it's it's interesting you bring that up because that's actually how I got my start as well. Is uh, It's well known within TikTok that controversial videos will get you followers. They will get you views. But it's sort of a at what cost type scenario. Uh, yeah. The way I sort of jumped from, you know, the 1,000, 2,000 followers to I think 15 to 16,000 over the course of a couple of days was I posted a series of videos of sort of a, a mock evaluation for autism and then also for ADHD, uh, sort of highlighting how out of date and ridiculous some of the questions were. I don't remember any of them off the top of my head, but um, that got a lot of traction and it got a lot of people saying, oh my gosh, I agree with this. I resonate so strongly. It got a lot of people saying, you're, you're an absolute buffoon for this. This is the st stupidest thing I've heard in my life. Um, and that controversy, those, those people arguing in the comments propelled the video to do exponentially better than anything, or in terms of numbers, anything I posted right. before. Uh, same thing with that ADHD is a disability video. And I, I see this still quite a bit with ADHD and mental health as a whole, where, uh, there I am quoting my intro, um, people will post these inflammatory statements and it grows their account so quickly. And if you're, if you're chasing those numbers and you're addicted to that, that's a quick way to do it. Uh, but at the cost of putting out a lot of potential misinformation and uh, generally making some people very upset. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there's two groups of people. There's people that do it because they truly believe the thing that they're saying. And then there's people that do it because they understand that that's how it works. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's a, I, I'm not going to get political. This is just an example, but I stumbled across a live that was two people, one on one side had like all of this, like Trump gear on and they had a Trump flag in the background. And on the other side of the live, it was a live battle for gifts on the other side of the live, same thing, but it was this girl uh, just decked out in Biden gear, just mm -hmm. head to toe, background flag, whatever. And they were both like you know, yelling at each other and like, give me more gifts. Don't give them gifts. You know, uh, who's going to win? Before. Which again, sickens me because I'm like, I don't understand people's desire to give a stranger money to support their choice in politician, whatever. If you clicked on their profiles, um, they are the same like account, the same person. They make videos together and they're both Trump supporters. It didn't matter which one they supported, but they were both on the same side anyway. Mm. They just dressed up differently and then got on a live together and then said, who's going to win? You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I take great issue with that. Not because of the subject matter, not because of one or the other, but because I, it makes me concerned with the group mentality that social media has sometimes. I wish people would just stop for 10 seconds and say, why am I participating in this? What, you know, what after, cause once it's over, they just start it back up again and they say, okay, let's battle again this time. 
So I don't understand the purpose of giving your money to things like that. Um, it concerns me. Um, so again, I, even though sometimes I do things specifically because I'm trying to advocate, I feel like sometimes I find myself creeping into that category of creator unintentionally. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I specifically said on a podcast not to do this. Right. And here I find myself doing it on accident. So I think that's my goal is to, um, you know, I've been doing some like book stuff and some more internal things, little comics and stuff that I've found great value in to just kind of be a little bit more reclusive and do things that I can just give to people, which is what I wanted to do in the first place, to just make content, give it to people, make people happy and less involved, you know? Mm-hmm. I've, I have a, a similar mission in that, just that with everything I do with the podcast, with stem eggs, with my personal pages, et cetera. Uh, I want to create things that people can find a use for, even if it's just, Oh, haha, I do that. And then scroll past. Uh, so I guess varying levels of impact, but I've gotten messages over, I was about to say over the years, I've only been doing this for like a year and a half. Um, I guess that's kind of years. It's more than one. Anyways, besides the point. I've gotten messages saying your content has changed my life. It has led me to get a diagnosis and seeing things like that is what keeps me going in this, uh, knowing that, I, the best. I, yeah, I've had such an impact on someone's life. And I actually, I talked about that in, uh, the episode with Matt that's actually releasing today. We're recording this on Friday, the 23rd, but, um, just the tremendous amount of impact that we can have on people with a simple little 10 second video that we record on our way walking from the kitchen to the bedroom with a random thought that we had. It's remarkable and also terrifying because um, I also chatted with Matt a little bit that, about this. It can, it's so easy for a random thought that you have saying like, oh, like my ADHD makes me do this. And it's just sort of a random thought. You didn't research it. You didn't uh, fact check it or anything. And then you, you post it. And if people see that, if it blows up, it can lead so many people astray uh, because we we are not clinicians. We're not. At least I don't. I don't. Are you a clinician? I don't think you are, Dave. No. <laughs> Wonderful. Me neither. Um, <laughs> we are both just people that are very passionate about mental health and ADHD, and I would say that we're both pretty knowledgeable on it. But um, I still like to do research for pretty much every video that I do. Some of the little funny, relatable ones. Oh, I left my food in the microwave again. I don't need to do research for that. I I know what that's about. But um, for anything more involved, I will almost always do at least, I don't know, 30 minutes of research into something because in the beginning with those sort of more controversial videos, some of the people arguing against what I was saying were clinicians. And I know that sort of modern, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Modern science is still catching up to this sort of new wave of understanding of how ADHD affects adults um, and how it can sort of change and evolve as you grow. And uh, there's still a lot of clinicians and psychiatrists, psychologists, et cetera, that subscribe to the more outdated uh, terminology and way of doing things. I'm staring at a dangerous territory here. I'm going to go back soon. But um, those <laughs> comments are what helped to motivate me to take take a step up and provide content for people that is informative and true to current understandings of, uh, I guess, medical knowledge. And uh, that was something that was real helpful to me. I don't remember why I started talking about this. Um, my lack of sleep, once again, is catching up to me. But that's it's a good point, though. 
Um, nobody ever wants, if you're in the mental health field or the ADHD, whatever, if you're doing anything that involves the brain on social media, you know, you never want to find yourself in opposite corners with a clinician in the comment section, right? Mm-hmm. Because now you are the bad guy. Um, and I'm not saying that I come even close to knowing more than what a clinician knows. But I think what's important to remember is that half of what we are doing I'm going to say there's two sides. I won't call it halves. There's two sides of 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 this science, and half of it, the one side, is uh, based in observation. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of there's lots of uh, physical science behind it all, but a lot of things are what we observe. And this conversation could be picked up and then dropped into 1912, in 1946, and in 1978. Where we say, well, I think this about ADHD and other clinicians don't. Um, and no one would even take any side of that seriously because of how far we've come now. Um, so I, I don't ever try to say that clinicians are wrong or that, you know, uh, we shouldn't think that this could potentially be wrong. But I do try to remind people that we were very sure about the way things were like 10 times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um there's a reason that five versions of the DSM, DSM have come out because every time that we think we have a handle on how things work, some guy somewhere discovers something and we're like, shit, that really debunks a lot of things that we were like really certain about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't ever pretend to know more or pretend to think that I'm right in saying that something is wrong. Um, but I, you know, I think it's healthy for anybody that's involved in this field professional or not to remember that um, more than likely something that we think is true probably isn't in some capacity. And to clarify my previous point, I do not think that I am more qualified or knowledgeable than any master of medicine by any means. Um, I don't think you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you you started talking, I realized, did I make myself seem like I just know everything? Because I absolutely do not. Um, It's also difficult when there are a lot of opposing views from professionals in the fields that have been posted, especially with a lot of the new research being done that, like you mentioned, completely debunks or at least somewhat refutes previous research that was done that we were for a time sh- sure about. For example, um, I posted a video about the differences between ADD and ADHD and essentially stated, oh, ADD doesn't exist anymore. It hasn't technically existed since 2013. It now falls under the umbrella term of ADHD with a primarily inattentive presentation. And I had some, uh, you know, medical professionals in the comments saying, oh, this is ridiculous. I still diagnose people with ADD. And I was thinking, what what do I say here? Because everything that I have read, the research I've done says that that is incorrect. The DSM-5 says that's incorrect. But I have a professionally trained person here arguing the counter. And it, it puts you in a very difficult situation where you're not qualified necessarily to make an argument about it beyond just pointing to research that other more qualified people have done. Yeah. And it, people forget that the DSM-5 is not a Bible. It is a reference guide to help make determinations, to help match up things to other things and say which things match the most. And then... From there, after you have your first layer of building blocks, those professionals then use their education, common sense, and personalized style to make further determinations and, and set treatment plans and you know what have you. Um, 
a lot of times whenever you like listen to like big talks and uh you know these these uh kind of presentations and things they'll be like uh you know well this particular doctor has this theory and this style which i found really interesting and if it was really as black and white as it was the minute that somebody said well they have this style we would say burn the witch you can't there's no <laughs> styles you do it this way and you're done um but we don't because ultimately it's just an informational guide that allows all of these different professionals that exist on a large spectrum of belief and practice to apply what they think is best to another person um so what I don't understand, and again, this is not becoming as obscure anymore. It's becoming very common. Um, why is everything not spectrumized? I don't know if that's a word or not, but autism is currently a spectrum. Uh, it only makes sense that ADHD would be, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's not, and nothing that, is universal. There's no 100% yeah. universal behaviors, but then everyone has natural variances. It's coming out more and more where you hear people refer to ADHD being on a spectrum, which I think is important um, because there are doctors and clinicians that currently um, are are fighting hard to make sure that people know that ADHD doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. Those professionals are out there. And so, you know, I think people are very intimidated um, by anyone in the medical field uh, because they think if they say it, they have access to a vault of knowledge that I don't. Mm-hmm. And all they're doing is it's kind of like, you know, the different mall Santas, you know, they're all different, but they all have the same code. You know, it's, if they said it, they got it from the big book of no, you know, so they must know something that I don't. That's simply not true. It's, it's, they do import their opinions onto things, you know, there, again, there are doctors that think that ADHD isn't real and they won't prescribe medication for ADHD because they think it's not real. They won't diagnose, diagnose someone with ADHD because they think it's not real. I'm not saying that's common, but it, on that end of the spectrum of healthcare, it does exist. You know what I mean? Um, so that's why I encourage people to get second opinions, to uh, consider if the current form of treatment they're receiving is good treatment or not, um, to consider everything that the doctor is telling them and say, you know, they know more than I do. Um, but do I feel like they have any kind of, you know, bias one way or the other? There's a reason that there are five star doctors and one star doctors in terms of ratings. Um, I've met some fantastic physicians and clinicians and psychiatrists and therapists, um, that all have different opinions about how ADHD works in people and how we should look at it. And some people think we should all, you know, focus on our inner child. And some people think that we should, uh, medicate it into submission and, you know, it's, it's across the board. Um, so I, that's another thing I try and let people know is that it's not always black and white. Don't, uh, don't feel like when you get an answer to something that that's the only thing you should do or shouldn't do. Hello, Cody from the future here. So Dave and I ended up talking for a long time. We had a lot of interesting things to talk about. So this episode was actually split up into two parts. This is the end of part one and part two will be out in a week on, let's see what day, January 6th. So tune in on January 6th for the second part of the episode with Dave. I hope you enjoyed part one and have an excellent rest of your day. Bye-bye.